welcome to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines, changing the conversation around divorce. This show is sponsored by Penguin in the Room. Penguin in the Room is an award-winning arts, marketing and social media management company. If you want to jazz up your socials and have someone Instagram and tweet for you, then here's your answer. Go to www.penguinintheroom.com. As always, hit subscribe to make sure you're updated about new episodes. And we love to hear from you on social media at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. You can also email us all the infos on our website, thedivorcesocial.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I am joined by actress, writer and comedian Susan Earle. You might have seen her in Torval and Dean on ITV or in Perrin Hardware, Red Dwarf. Susan, welcome to The Divorce Club. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> Are you? How does it make you feel when I say to you, you're divorced? Oh, gosh. Well, actually, it sounds much better when you say you're in the divorce club. I like that because <laughs> I feel like I'm part of a group of strong women and men, maybe. But being divorced, I didn't like the sound of that so much. It just sounds very grown up and a bit serious. Well, yeah, the, the reason I started this podcast was because... I felt so alone when I first got divorced and I, you know, was getting divorced early thirties and I thought there's no one else like me. And the more you talk about it, the more people come out of the woodwork as being divorced. And I do think it's a bit of a club. Like we've all experienced this intense, traumatic, in some cases, whirlwind of a ride together. So I do think it's quite nice if we can all come together and have a little club. Oh, I really, I wish I could have listened to this club when I was getting divorced because it took about four years of umming and ahhing and trying to figure it out and trying to, li- it was really interesting reading books by people that got divorced and, you know, j- just listening to other people's experiences. Absolutely, it makes you feel not so alone, not the weirdo in your social group, because even though other people are considering divorce, they will not tell you that until you are the diverse person and then everyone tells you about their <laughs> wannabe divorce fantasies. And then so, you feel like you're responsible for all your friends' marriages because they're like, what's it like? And you're like, uh, uh, mine's probably different to yours. I know, I know. And people have misconceptions and it's a bit like when you have children that 
actually you can only really understand it once you've had it and I think other than that you can try to explain it but it's different to what everyone thinks and everyone's experience is different as well so the word divorce you said you don't really like what sort of feelings and images does that word conjure for you that's a good question. I'm imagining someone in the 80s with shoulder pads that's a power woman that's like a divorcee and she's got quite bouffant hair. That's what I'm imagining. Margaret Thatcher is what you're imagining. <laughs> <laughs> and why is that bad? Again, I just think it sounds so grown up and serious and I'm not a very serious person. I'm probably not a very grown up person either, even though I am a mother. So that's quite interesting that you think divorce is really grown up and serious. Do you view marriage in the same way? I wish I had. <laughs> I think I, I thought much more about, about my divorce than I did about getting married in the first place, which is really interesting because, yeah, I got married quite quickly. It was all in a whirlwind. It was all like, yay. Whereas divorce, yeah, there's so much more decision-making as part of that and asking advice. Whereas I never really said to any of my friends at the time, what do you guys think? Because when I did get divorced, then I heard what they all thought. <laughs> but they couldn't tell me at the time and neither was I ready to listen. Well, I think that's a strange thing though, isn't it? Because, you know, when you break up with someone, everyone does start telling you, what they've always thought about them. But do you think they did always think that or that's what they say because they think it's going to make you feel better? Like they were never good enough for you. <laughs> oh, did you get, oh, God, that's a good one if your friends are saying that. <laughs> I think getting divorced was different from breaking up a relationship. I noticed a difference in my friends. I think friends probably to start with were much more like, oh no, look really upset by the idea and really trying to talk me out of it, which for me, I found very hard because I'd already for a few years been really thinking about it. So by the time I was ready to talk about it, what I really needed were friends having my back where I think they, they were trying to do the right thing by being supportive. And did they, I think as the process went on, they started admitting a bit more about what they felt in the beginning when they realized that it was really serious, that it wasn't just a kind of like, Oh, I'm very annoyed. We've had one bad argument. So I'm going to get divorced when they realized it, it wasn't that, that actually there were very good reasons that's when they started to, yeah, just talk about things. But yeah, I don't, I don't think I ever got, you're too good for him. So I might need to change my friend group. But I think that's just a line though, isn't it? That everyone says all the time. Like my, I think, feel like my friends always say that, you know, no matter what it was, it's like, if it's an ex-boss, they were like, you were too good to work for him anyway, you know, all of that. But yeah, they are good friends. I'm going to hang out with you more often, Sam, and your friends. Well, Susan, you're too good for him. There you go. Now you've had it. Thank you, Sam. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. That's good. So how long ago <laughs> did you get divorced and how long were you married? I was actually had to look this up on my phone. I think I've been divorced for four or five years and I was married for nine years. So about halfway through. Okay. So and four or five years. So it's not a million years ago. It's still quite fresh. Oh, is it? I'm sort of still in the process of divorce. Well, I've spoken to some people who got divorced, you know, 20 odd years ago. So how do you feel now, sort of four or five years in to how you did in that first sort of year and a half, do you think? I feel much more centered in myself and much more 
like, yes, that was the right decision. Whereas at the time, and even after it, I was just constantly second guessing myself. And I think my self-esteem was very low during the process. There's nothing like a divorce, from my perspective, that to knock your self-esteem. But there's nothing like a relationship that's not working very well to knock your self-esteem. And then you've got to like kind of pull in all this energy to actually get divorced. And so it took me a good few years to come back to like my kind of normal point. So I feel much better now. I don't feel the social anxiety or social embarrassment that I did feel when I first got divorced. Obviously, I still got a problem with the word divorce. But <laughs> so how did the social anxiety come into play? Was that due to going out as a single person now and not being in a couple or was it due to the sort of self-esteem? Um, I think it was because from our circle of friends, I was really the only one that I knew at the time that was getting divorced. So I had that slight feeling of, am I the only one doing this? Am I the only one feeling it? I knew lots of friends were struggling with the same things, but they seemed happy to stay, whereas I made the decision to go. So it caused kind of weird rifts a bit all over the place. And I think certainly while I was doing it, while I was making the decision, even though things were really hard, I was going, this is much better. I'm much better now than I was. Okay, like That's my little game that I play. I'm much happier now than I was when I was stuck in the relationship, even though it's a life explosion <laughs> and you, you're full of difficult things. But I probably really needed that little delusional self-talk at the time. So I suppose there was that thing of being the person that was going through that change. And also... Just everybody knowing something about you that's deeply personal, but they don't really know what's going on. So you've got this label on you and people are guessing and suddenly you're interesting, but in the wrong kind of way. There was a bit of that going on. And I think also the social anxiety, it really helped me realise before, if I saw someone upset, say at the school gates, I'd go up to them and I'd give them loads of sympathy and I'd be like, are you all right? Now I know, don't do that. Do not do that. When I was going through the really hard bits, if anyone came towards me with loads of sympathy, I just wanted them to go away. Of course, I don't want to talk to you about it now. I'm just about to pick up my child. I'm in a very public place. Do not talk to me. I don't want to go there. Just make a joke. Just keep things on a very surface level. That would be much better. This is great advice. Do not approach crying people at school gates. <laughs> not unless, I mean, if they're in full on sob, I wouldn't say walk away from them. But I think if someone's like grieving or just had some big life stuff go on, like rather than rush in with your, I want to be your best friend, just maybe just see where you are first. Because if that person is going to burst into tears, and that's, it's never a nice feeling, is it, to be the one bursting into tears at a school event or in any kind of public place. What worked for me was sometimes some of the people would send me an email, just checking in, you're okay, is there anything I could do? Obviously, close friends are different. If I'm in their house with a glass of wine, absolutely go for it. <laughs> you know, I want to cry about it, but... Yeah, that's so interesting as well that you called your divorce an explosion because it's so true. It kind of rips apart everything that you had before and sort of throws it around a bit and rejigs it all. I think that's a really good way of describing it. So you talked about people crying at school gates and at school fairs. What's the weirdest place you cry? It sounds like you cried in public. I cried in public as well, um, oh, yeah. which has always been a fear of mine. I remember my 
therapist saying, what's the worst thing that would happen if you cried in public? Like just let out your emotions. What's the weirdest place you found yourself crying in public? Oh gosh, I have to say it didn't take a divorce to make me cry in public. I think crying in public's been a feature of my life. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Through all of it. So I didn't have the fear of crying in public. Oh gosh. Yeah, I can't remember off the top of my head. Auditions were very difficult around that time. A friend of mine described, she described therapy as it's like you're raw on the outside. It's like you've, they've taken your skin and turned it inside out. And then there you are, you've got to go out in the world with that. And the divorce process with me was like that. It's like a very vulnerable, <laughs> sensitive human being. And, you know, I was in therapy at the time and also all my friends were having earnest conversations. So it's really hard to know to drop that and to now go into professional audition mode. And I don't think I managed it. I was probably a bit... I remember doing an audition for... Ben Elton's program on Shakespeare, you know, the one that David Mitchell's in, uh, Upstart Crow. Yeah, yeah. So I had an audition to play his wife and <laughs> she had this speech about why Shakespeare was basically such a, an arse of a husband. And I read it and I remember there was a, a silence and an energy in the room as I was pouring my heart out with this. <laughs> and then the director just very awkwardly went, uh, okay, thanks. Um, let's just remember this is a, a, a sitcom, it's a comedy. <laughs> Obviously I'd done it like in some very emotional <laughs> ITV it drama. Home. Yeah. It did, yeah. Yeah, so that I thought, oh man, that's not good. And probably cried on the way home from that as well. It's so difficult, isn't it, when something so intense is going on in your private life and then you have all these different hats. Like how was it with all your different hats, with work and being a mum, as well as going through this divorce? Did you find that you had to sort of be different people at different times? Sam, it was a hat explosion. All the hats <laughs> like <laughs> came out of their little tidy things and just exploded. And sometimes I'd find myself where, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm saying the wrong thing. Like, I've got a comedian hat that I'm sure you have that sometimes it's the wrong place like to pitch. Like a meditation class, for example, <laughs> take the comedian hat off. I used to teach meditation, so I'd get very confused. Uh, yeah, so I don't think anyone can go through a, a, a situation like that and say, at all times I held myself in integrity, I wouldn't do anything differently, I was an impeccable human being. If you say that, I don't think you belong in divorce club, really, because actually <laughs> the truth is, you uh, okay, so you mess up, so maybe at, at one point I opened up a bit too much to the children and then realised, oh, no, I can't say that. I mean, I was very much, both me and my ex were very much trying not to involve the children in things. And most of the time, you know, I've been good. Like my daughter, for example, once <laughs> said, daddy's girlfriend is the cleverest woman in the world. And I was like, oh, is she? Oh. <laughs> and I just let that. And I just thought, that's so funny. <laughs> and I just, I just let it drop, didn't react. But then other times... Sometimes you do end up sharing a little bit. My my 14-year-old son, who was about 10 at the time, he's very good at talking about the emotions. So maybe I ended up opening up a bit too much to him and strangers that didn't want to know. You know, you, you, you end up like, you're getting so used to, I can be vulnerable that then you learn there are situations where people don't want your vulnerability. Like my friend's cocktail party. That was not a good situation. What happened? Well, because, like, I mean, I, I did, I used to do comedy about this, but someone came up that didn't know we were divorced. And that's the, another social anxiety thing is I much preferred it when people heard on the grapevine that I was divorced. 
So actually, I would say gossip is quite good in that scenario, rather than always having to be the person admitting this massive life change. Sometimes it's better for other people to hear from other people. Well, this is why I did a Facebook post, which some people think is like an awful thing to do. But I was like, the trauma of having to tell everyone you've ever met one by one, like over years that you're now divorced. It's like, I'm just going to put it on Facebook and then loads of people will see it. And then when I do a gig with someone I haven't seen, for three years. I don't have to break it to them that I'm now divorced again. I think that's a good idea. You must have had a massive explosion of reactions to that though. Well, yeah. And and I put in the post, you know, we're both very happy and we still talk to each other. So it was, yeah, it was a nice reaction, but people still don't know how to react, I think. So you were at this cocktail party. Uh, Yeah. There's at this uh, yeah cocktail party and someone that I knew vaguely but not very well just came up and went, oh, how's your husband? At that point, I'd been divorced for about a month, two months. And I thought, do I, you know, I just wish I'd said, oh, he's fine and moved on. Because actually, I think that would be much more what was the needed thing. But instead, I decided to be open and speak from my heart. And then then she's reacting. I've let her into this deeply personal thing. She's not emotionally equipped for this conversation at a cocktail party. <laughs> she doesn't know enough about my life. So it's gone for this. She's trying to do small talk. That's what she was prepped for. That's why she came over. Then suddenly, boom, you know, she's having to do it. <laughs> emotional. emotional jugular. She's dr- yeah. trying to drink her sex on the beach. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, exactly. and then. <laughs> I know. I think at the time I was very much trying to be, you know, really honorable. So I, I'd be very much saying, we'd be like, oh no, everything's fine. And we're talking really well. Like, like just trying to give that message. But she just looked so aghast, bearing in mind that she doesn't really know us very well her own emotional reaction to our divorce I ended up being the one slightly coaching and counseling her through her own deep trauma at this cocktail party which is I didn't want that I just wanted to drink my sex on the beach so (laughs) (laughs) it's so true though is it and I feel like when when I'm dealing with something especially as a comedian as you know I need to like talk about it and like joke about Mm. it to process it so I found initially straight after I split up with my ex-husband that I was just bringing it up randomly in conversation like someone would be like how are you and I'd be like I got divorced I'm getting (laughs) divorced we broke up and then tell them the whole story and they weren't expecting it they just thought I'd be like yeah I'm fine how are you were they just trying to buy you a sandwich (laughs) yeah or something or I was buying a sandwich from them like a man in a shop but like (laughs) actually like it just helped for me to like talk it through there was this definitely a stage when I felt like I was talking about it all the time. It was almost like a joke. Like each time I told it, I refined it and I knew how I felt about it a little bit more. That's like your comedy material. You're basically honing your spiel about your divorce. Yeah. Uh, but also, is, is it because your friends have got a bit bored of listening by then that you started to bring it up with strangers, do you think? I don't know. I feel like sometimes with your friends, because they know so much about it and there's so much history, they don't ever really see it just from your perspective because they know the other person, they spend time with them. Whereas like a man in a sandwich shop doesn't know my ex. So everything <laughs> I tell him is gospel. But I've, I find it it's so interesting because as soon as I say to someone, even now, so I'm like a year and a half since we separated, if I say to someone I'm divorced, I don't know if you found this, if they're not divorced, 
they'll skim right through it because they're like, oh my God, don't want to get into that. And if they yeah. are divorced, it's like they sigh and relax. And then we yeah. start talking about divorce and like they're like, oh, great. We could have a good chat about this. Yes. Yeah, there's definitely that. And then there's the third category, isn't there, of those secretly considering divorce and haven't been able to talk to anyone that then will suddenly want to know all the practicalities, which is, you know, they just need to listen to Divorce Club now, which is Well, great. exactly. This, this is perfect for category two and three. If you're avoiding <laughs> yeah. divorce, actually, if you're avoiding the subject of divorce, you should probably also listen because you shouldn't avoid it. So. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, folks. I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. So for you, what reaction from your friends was the best reaction for you? Like, what was it you needed at that time? It's so funny when you say that, because as a comedian, what you think is the best reaction is the worst, because that, that's funnier <laughs> for material. The best reactions, people definitely surprised me. And I remember a friend of mine who'd been through something similar said that. She said, there'll be some friends that you really think you can count on that actually suddenly they can't cope very well with it and they disappear and other people surprise you. And out of that category of people who surprised me was a friend of mine who I very much thought preferred my ex, like they'd met us together as a couple. But she was amazing. She had my back. She'd say things like, okay, just so you know, people are starting to talk about it. Do you want me to say anything? Do you not want me to say? So just really lovely communication. And, you know, oh yeah, I cried in a barn dance and and she's not really a friend that I've cried with. And out of your friends, you've got the friends you cried with and the friends you did, you know, and she, we hadn't crossed that bridge before, but she was just so lovely. It was just like, oh, I should have cried with you way before because you're, you're great at this. So I think, it, I think it was that. I think it was the people who just were really good on a practical level. Yeah, and just people that have been through it before, they kind of almost knew what to say and what not to say. And what's not to say? What's not to say is, oh, but what about the children? Oh, but have you thought about the children? Like, you haven't, of course. <laughs> like, of course you've thought about it. You've thought about nothing else. You've been sleeplessly, like, angsting about it for, for ages. Uh, other people going, have you tried therapy? Like, maybe that's suitable for someone who's just spontaneously decided to get divorced. But I think, I don't know who that person is. I don't know anyone. I think normally people have already gone through a lot of therapy and, you know, gone through a lot of decision making. It's like when you tell someone you're an actor and they say, oh, you should go on EastEnders. Like, oh, I've yes. never thought of that. I'll just give them a call and they'll let me on. That's how it works. <laughs> I had one of those recently where a friend was like, Suze, I know you're really good at like doing the lighthearted stuff, but I think you'd be really good at serious drama. So maybe your agent could just get you like a really good drama part. I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> I'll just I'll let, them know. I'll let them know. <laughs> <laughs> what else? Oh, other worst reactions are, but he's really nice. Oh, but I really like him. That really annoys me. You marry him then. I know. <laughs> He'll be free in a minute. yeah exactly and I think some people are very good at at, you know if you think of couple friends unless you really really know the other person very well and the other couple very well what you're seeing is a front so it's really you've just got to trust your friend's judgment haven't you you know as to the reason why yeah and I think reading the moment as well like sometimes I felt like people wanted me to cry to them and we'd be like (laughs) on a night out and I'd be like I don't want to cry like I've got dressed up I want to go out and have a nice time I don't want to talk about it whereas other times when I was in more of a kind of melancholy or thoughtful mood and kind of I wanted to talk it through they'd be Mm. like you know constantly changing the subject and obviously 
you know, they have their own life and their own problems. But I, I do think it is a lot about, you know, if anyone's listening and they have a friend who's getting divorced and they don't know how they can help them, I think it really is a lot about just listening to them and what they need at a certain time. And also even just saying, I feel like a couple of people said to me, is there anything I can do? Is there anything you know, you need from me, like even the smallest thing. And that's actually so useful because stuff like, you know, moving out of the house or redecorating your bedroom because you want it to feel different when they've left, stuff like that can actually be a really great thing that you can kind of help with. Absolutely. And just kind of letting you know, a friend of mine who, again, who knew us both, because I think that's the difficult thing, isn't it, is your friends in common. Obviously, my tribe that I came to the marriage with, and his tribe, they separated. And there are women in particular on his side that I miss that I never heard from. And I'm just like, okay, that's fine. I'm not going to feel bad about that. I didn't reach out to them. They didn't reach out to me. But then friends that you've met together, there's this weird sorting, isn't there, of which friend go, you know, where they go. I think just honestly, like one of the friends that we had together said, look, she said, I've got your back. You're my girl. I'm just going to check in with him and check that he's okay, but you're the one I'm with. But just to let you know, I'm just going to reach out to him as well. And things like that are really good. If, if you're a friend that doesn't know what to do, because it's, it's full of awkwardness. And for that person, if you're listening and you've got a friend going through it, it's like I would advise you to risk going through the awkwardness, even if you are the friend that says the terrible thing. I think that's better than just being avoided completely, isn't it? Yeah, it's kind of worse when people ignore it, I think. Because you're like, it is actually a massive thing that's happened to me. So it would be nice if you acknowledged (laughs) it in some way. (laughs) I had a friend, um, it's not about divorce, it's about cancer in a way, but they're they're both words with stigma, aren't they? And she said that of their group of friends, one of them got cancer and a friend drove all the way down. It was from something like Newcastle all the way down to Milton Keynes or something to see the friend. But she never once mentioned the cancer. She just spent the day with her and then left And the friend with cancer was going, well, I'm not going to bring it up if you're not, but you just, of course you need to reference it. And if you've driven all the way down, because, you know, but it's awkward. But I think, I tell you what, getting divorced makes you okay with the awkward territory. You've really got to learn how to be with the awkwardness of it all. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Push through the awkwardness. It'll be worth it. (laughs) It will be worth it. A friend of ours, actually, Bex Rycroft, who's the director, she was doing a short film and an ex-boyfriend from years ago, his friend was in it and she was very sweet. She went, I'm just checking you're okay with that in case it's awkward. And I was going through the divorce at the time. I was like, oh man, that is so lo-fi and not <laughs> awkward compared to the giant, like going to parents' evenings together, like going, you know, pretending we're still together at this function. That, that's what awkward is. So if anything, you gain a really good relationship with being socially awkward. Uh, so hang on, you said you had to pretend to be together at functions. Oh yeah. Why is that? So I think because we had children. So we separated, we lived in a house in Hertfordshire and then my ex already had a flat in London. So he moved into that flat in January, but we weren't telling the children at that point. So until we were selling the house, which wasn't till the August So September, we separate, still in the same house. January, he goes to London. Then he would come to the house. I would make myself scarce for the weekend. 
so the kids don't know what's going on. I mean, I don't recommend this as a, as, a, as a thing, but it does happen to a lot of people with children that you end up trying to find the right time. And and it wasn't till like the August by which time we'd sold the house. And I think also my ex actually knew it was happening. I think there's a fair amount of denial going on on his side, which is why what was driving the don't tell the this, let's go to this. So so yeah, there were there were lots of, you know, functions and things that we went to together where I had to just you know kind of smile through it and you know go off and cry in a corner. Wow so how was that with not only pretending to people at functions that you were still in a relationship but also pretending to the kids? How did it make you feel? I would say that was definitely hard but I'd been pretending for years Sam so I found it much harder being the only one that felt like I knew the relationship was going to end and nobody else knew about it. At least when we were pretending, I knew there's a really good legitimate reason why that we needed to to make it as good for the children as we possibly could. And we thought them having a new home would make it much easier for them to understand. Pretending in public, again, I'd been doing that for years. And, and, and I'd started to go for things less. And part of me was kind of secretly going, <laughs> you think, I don't, you know, ha, 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 people I don't like. Because, you know, you end up, I don't know, but certainly when you have children, you end up going to things sometimes that you don't like. And so there was a definitely between me and myself and my friends, I was like, ha, 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 you may think I'm enjoying this, but I'm not, and I'm going to be out of the situation soon. <laughs> Do you think that was like a shining beacon for you? Because I guess when you were pretending before, you still hadn't made the decision yet that it was over. But then mm. once you'd made the decision and you were still pretending, did it feel better because you knew that you're getting out of it soon? Or was it worse because you'd made the decision, but you still weren't out of it? I think it was better. It was so hard for me to make that decision that I think I was so glad I'd made the decision that and, and that there was a huge relief for me. And I think that you start getting over a relationship, you know, before you actually break up. So for me, you know, the years of wondering if, you know, if I could make this work and, and all those little heartbreaks you have along the way while you're still together meant that I'd felt almost jubilant inside. So the pretending, I mean, I'm an actress anyway, so I kind of like, on a good day, I can, I can do a few of those things. And it wasn't many. To be fair, most of the things we'd either do separately or I wouldn't go. I don't know. It felt a lot better. I just felt a lot better along each stage. And a friend of mine said it's like being strapped into a roller coaster. And at least when you're strapped in, you know it's coming to an end. And you're like, even if you're like, oh man, we're coming up to the scary part, you can't get off. There's that feeling of, well, we're on and it's only a matter of time before this finishes. It'll be over soon. <laughs> and I have a great photo. Yeah, close <laughs> your eyes. <laughs> Put that on a key ring. That's how you remember it. Exactly. They should do that. Uh, you know, they should do that. key rings of it. We should just have our wedding photos on a key ring and that's how you remember the marriage. <laughs> I think you should do a divorce club podcast key ring of the ah, scary moment <laughs> so that when everyone's having the worst moment, Obviously, it might involve lots of selfies. And then you can make that into a key ring. Love it. Just be <laughs> me sobbing on my mum's kitchen floor. Like, Why wouldn't yeah. you want that in a key ring? <laughs> it was a moment. Did you have a divorce party? Because that's one thing I didn't have. No. So I didn't have that. So I had a brunch when the judge stamped the 
you can officially be divorced. Because I'm still not, I haven't had the decree absolute because we're going yeah. through the financials at the moment. But when oh, the that's judge. Joy. What a joy. Yeah, that's a hard um, bit. <laughs> but when the judge stamped the, you know, I agree that you can be divorced, yeah. I had a celebratory brunch with my friend Gina. We had Prosecco and pancakes <laughs> oh, with good. bacon. So that was nice. So I guess that was a sort of divorce party and someone and another friend got me flowers. But no, I have heard about these divorce parties. And initially I was scared because I imagined lots of drunk women in leopard print. Because, <laughs> you know, that's what you're scared of, like throwing yeah. penis memorabilia around. Yeah. But actually they sound like lovely celebratory affairs. Have you ever been to a divorce party? No, I haven't actually. And I didn't feel like having one at the time. I remember it's such an anticlimax when I got the final, is it Decree Nisi or Decree Night? Is that the decree final? Decree Absolute. Well done, thank you. Decree Absolute came just about two days before I actually moved house. So I remember just packing boxes, opening the envelope going, oh, you go then. You know, <laughs> but I, <laughs> so it wasn't like a massive thing. But I think I, I think I did so much celebrating ever since I mean I think in for me because I've stayed in the relationship probably longer than I'd say an average woman would now that I've discovered that actually most women would have gone this isn't working I'm gonna get out rather than the four years of I'm sure I can try to make this work if I read this other self-help book I'll have another technique but in those years I kind of gradually depleted my who I was just became quite I became quite flat as a person and not the kind of person you'd want at a party and then by the time I'd made the decision, like party Susan was back. So it didn't even need to be my divorce party. It just anyone's party. I'd be like, woo, in my leopard print <laughs> on the dance floor. I do love leopard print. And now I'm divorced. It's perfect. <laughs> I know. But I do, I do think a lot of people say that actually, that they felt, and I definitely felt that, that I lost myself a little bit at the end of the relationship. For whatever reason, whether it's because I was, you know, trying really hard or whatever. But when they separated, they suddenly became them again. Like my friend said to me, I've started wearing bright colors again. Because I've always oh. loved like bright colored clothes and like patterns and clashing and all of that. Love fashion. And I'd got more muted at the end of my like relationship. And they were like, you're wearing bright colors again. And you're just like really happy. <laughs> And it's not like, you know, my ex is a lovely man. I will say that he is. And I'm sure he'll meet someone and get married again and they will be very lucky. But me and him didn't work out. Mm. And for that reason, you know, that's where I kind of lost myself a bit. I don't think it was due to him trying to mute me down. It was just something that was happening because of the situation I was in. But then it's like this freedom and then you have to rediscover yourself again. And actually, for me, that was such a affirming and brilliant process. Yes. And the kind of self-acceptance and self-love, I think is so important that comes out of that, the journey. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny you said that because I certainly had a lot of beige in my wardrobe, beige and grey toward the end of the marriage. Whereas now, yeah, I'm quite I'm about at least a third turquoise at the moment. So that's something to look forward to if you're a person that's the, in the beige mode. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I always think of turquoise when I think of you. Isn't that weird? Yeah, it's your oh, colour. Thank you, Sam. That's all right. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it, that things like that come out of it, and I feel like. 
maybe the divorce party shouldn't be when you get the certificate. Because you're right in saying it's such an anticlimax. You've been through a marriage with this person. You've made a really difficult decision that might have taken you years. You go through all this paperwork and then all you do is get a certificate in the post. (laughs) What would you prefer as the end of your marriage? What would you like to, to signify the end? I don't know whether I would like this in reality. So some of these things I will say, and then actually if <laughs> the reality might be horrible. Because I was just thinking when you said that, that actually when you get married, you have all your friends around you. You know, they're all there going, agreeing. Yes, you guys are great. That was thinking in some ways it would be really nice for them all to go, do you know what? It's absolutely fine for you guys to get divorced. You know, almost like that's fine, like a permission from everybody. But maybe in reality that would not be very cool at all. Well, I guess that's what a divorce party is. Maybe that's what it is, except it wouldn't be the same people there, would you? Well, maybe the ones that you get to keep. <laughs> Do you think my ex-husband's friends would come to my divorce party? Well, <laughs> some people have joint ones. Oh. So them and their ex together having a party. Oh. I don't think I'd do that. I'm not going to suggest it to my ex, I don't think. (laughs) think. I'm like, I've left the relationship. It's all about me now. If I'm having a party, it's going to be all about me. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. No, that's better. I think I'd want fireworks. Would you? A firework display. Would you? Would you want like like a massive earth shattering, (laughs) like scary build into a climax kind of firework display or just like some really lame (laughs) (laughs) oh no like a proper professionally done firework display but quite a joyous you know with the really like upbeat classical music like that sort of (laughs) and then I invite everyone from the local area and we all have sparklers it would be a big event I think that's what I want I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I'll invite you. (laughs) (laughs) So what was your hardest moment? What was your biggest obstacle? I was going to ask you the same thing. Were you? Yeah. My hardest moment was probably crying on my mum's floor. Mm. I think it must be very hard if you don't have your parents around anymore. See, my dad died whilst we were getting married. So he died on my hen do. I found out he died. Oh, that's tough. But we had an early wedding So he was there. So we kind of had a smaller ceremony where he was. And then Mm. we had the big party and he'd he'd passed away by then. So Mm. it was all a very hard time then anyway. And actually the marriage and relationship was kind of really, it it helped really support me at that time. And then Mm. it was obviously coming through all of that and buying a house yeah. and everything. So I think my hardest moment was, yeah, going back to my mum's because you become a kid again. And my dad wasn't around, so I couldn't talk about it with him. And he was quite good at being like, you know, sensible and funny. And, you know, it wouldn't be all doom and gloom because he'd make a joke. And, mm. and he'd really liked my ex. So I think it was the fact that he'd seen me get married and thought, oh, she's fine now. She's, you know, like your parents feel like, oh, they're going to be okay. And actually it wasn't okay. And it had all gone to shit. (laughs) (laughs) So I think it's that, yeah, recessing to like a child again and being like, what am I going to do? My dad wasn't there to look after me. And also just that feeling of I couldn't make it work, even though that's not true because Mm. 
you know, sometimes things don't work and one person can try all they want, but if the other person doesn't try, then it won't work. Or you can both try, but it just doesn't work because it doesn't work. Yeah. But I think that, that kind of guilt, I'm Irish Catholic as well brought up. So that kind of guilt (laughs) of like, I failed, I couldn't do it. And now it's over. And I thought it was going to be for a long, long time. But now it's over. I think that was that was my hardest moment. But actually, now I feel great. So, what was your hardest moment? It's interesting you you say that because I resonated with all of that about telling your your parents. And I think when you've made them so happy by doing something, then then of course there is a sense of failure. Or are you guys going to be okay with understanding this? I, my mum's a Catholic. So probably telling my mum and dad and telling the children were the two hardest moments. Telling my mum and dad, I was more nervous about, weirdly. I think because I'd regress back to a child. Yeah, my mum was very sympathetic. In many ways, I was more worried about her reaction because she's Catholic. So she just, the whole divorce thing for her would be a massive thing to get her head around. My dad, we were watching TV and my dad, he just turned the volume down. I remember that as I started going through and he, yeah, he didn't turn it off. So he was still very much watching the TV Great. <laughs> at the time and occasionally looking over. But he, he just went, well, you're both, you both working TV, didn't you? Didn't normally work out. <laughs> you know, or like you have to do the showbiz. I love it. They think I've got, we had showbiz reasons, but I suppose we did in a way, you know, it's certainly a lifestyle. But I think probably the hardest moments parents wise were, I think my mum would ring up and, and just say, oh, just be kind, Sue, just be kind, like in terms of the divorce settlement. And of course I was trying to be extremely fair, but all my sisters kept saying is you're being way underselling yourself. So I had this real thing of my mum going, Oh, don't be, but don't be like, don't be greedy or don't, yeah, you know, and you're just like, well, it's, let's just let the lawyers sort that out because actually it's a very complex situation. I think differing advice is hard as well. Everyone gives you their two cents and you're like, I don't, (laughs) there's so many different bits of advice coming in. Um, but yeah, telling the oh, telling, telling the children the that was really hard, and we built up to it. And I totally recommend this. Right, watch what literature your children are reading or listening to in the run up. If you know you're going to be telling them, so my son had an audio book, and I just put it on. I didn't listen to you know with him, but it turns out it was about a boy whose dad went away and never came back. So he just finished listening to that. And then, of course, get very, very upset when we told them. And then I listened to the story. I was like, oh, man, this is, this is probably not the thing. <laughs> and, yeah. it, you know, it, not like we did it deliberately. It was a well-recommended children's story. So I would say that that would be my top tip is, A, get the children to play around with other children whose maybe parents are divorced so that they're, it's familiar to them. That really helped my children. They'd be like, oh, like, this person's mum and that person's dad. It just gives them a landscape with which which to understand. And how did you do it? Did you sit them down and was it you and your ex together or just one of you? Yeah, we were in our house. We knew it was going to go on the market at this point. And by that point, my ex had been living in London, so been coming back and forth. And we put on, what's the film? It's such a classic film. Uh, my name is Sariho Matara, Prepare to Die. That one, it's like a classic kind of, not flash dance. No, I don't know. There's a certain film. It's like from the 80s, 90s. Not Never Ending Story, but of that 
ilk. Okay. And we were watching that. So I don't think my son could watch that again because we told them and that was on in the background. And then I think we put it on afterwards maybe and it trying, and he just too upset to watch it. And so that film now, even though I can't remember the name of it, is is forever. There's a weird Not theme in your family of you telling people that you're breaking up while they watch television <laughs> and know. you work in television. So intertwined. I know. I don't recommend it at all. So you said that you remember it being an, an anticlimactic moment when you got that decree absolute through the post. What did you do with it? Because I haven't got mine yet and I don't know, I don't know if I should frame it on a wall. Where is yours now? Do you know? It's in a folder with other official documents because my solicitor said, do not lose this. You may need this again. And that always frightens me because I'm the kind, I'm a bit scatty brained with things like that. So it's in my official documents folder upstairs in the office. What would you need it for? I think you might need it maybe if you're going to get married again. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe Maybe you need it if you want to reappeal something or if, I don't know, there was, I can't remember why she said. Okay. Well, that's good to know. You need to keep it. Yeah. Don't burn it. <laughs> Don't burn it. <laughs> with your bras in the back garden. Yeah, with your um, beige in the back garden. Oh, yeah. And what have you done? Did you have a wedding ring and engagement ring? And what have you done with those? Those are still upstairs in my drawer. See, I, I would have been very happy to get rid of them. But because I've got the children, I don't know whether they would want to see it or that, you know, they would want something. I mean, I can't imagine my daughter wanting to get married herself and say, I know what I would love to have. <laughs> my engagement ring. It's the engagement ring of my mum whose marriage didn't work. But they, I don't know, I thought they might, might ask about it. So I kind of kept it in a drawer. And I came upon it recently and I thought, oh, I don't know what to do with this. It, it seems really hard to know what to do with it. Yeah, I'm in that place. I don't know what to do with mine. But funny you should say that your daughter will never say, I want the engagement <laughs> ring that, of you and my dad that failed. I <laughs> wear my mum's engagement ring oh. that she married my dad and they separated. But I still wear it as like a nice memento of the two of them. So you never know. Oh. She might so want to wear it. So she keep it. Yeah. yeah. And did you have a special wedding dress or outfit? And what have you done with that? Well, I was pregnant when I got married. I actually can't remember. I think I got rid of it. I think I gave it to a secondhand shop in this last house move. So I moved twice since the divorce. I decided to move away from the area, the town in which I got divorced, because I just, I was really ready to start anew and not be the woman who had gone through that or just fed up of people asking about my ex. Whereas when I moved here, Everyone just knew me and the children, so it was great. So I think I got rid of it just before we moved, but I did end up keeping it for a while. Yeah, I've got mine in the bottom of the cupboard in a little zip-up bag. I don't know what to do with it. I might sell it. I love that you. people are like, I've given it to charity. I'm like, that's really good. I want to make money from mine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think well, because mine's a maternity dress, I didn't think I could. It just felt a bit sad to put that on eBay. I don't know why I felt very happy at the time when I was yeah. buying it. But. And do you think you'd get married again or has this put you off marriage? <sighs> That's a good question. I think my answer has changed a bit. I think my perspective has changed a lot over the last four or five years since being divorced. 
I think to start with, I would have said yes much more readily because my perspective was, okay, I really like the model and it was just that person that didn't work or we couldn't make it work together. So if, if I met someone else with whom I could like work it with, that would be great. And now four years on, I'm like, oh, that is really complicated because actually I've got children, they've got a good dad that, you know, to have someone else move in, oh, that's really complicated. And then they've got a history and they've got a partner and, and it becomes this, this complicated blend where you realize, oh, right, it's never going to be as easy as it was when it was just two people with no children getting together. But I think I would still, I still believe in love and I still believe in commitment and relationships. And I think I'd probably just take a lot longer to decide about it rather than rushing. I rushed into the last one and, and had that complete blind optimism that felt amazing, but actually usually leads to problems. Whereas now I've got more of a cynicism in my leopard print divorcee outfit, but I've got more of it, more wisdom, you could say about it. So I wouldn't, I would take a lot more time um, to make that decision and I would make it for the right reasons rather than I suppose the reasons I got married, which are much, much more tied into that fairy tale idea, that's gone. That's, that's completely that in the explosion and the subsequent ricochets that that fairy tale is now. I've buried it. It's gone. It is no more. And what's your happiest moment, do you think, since you got divorced? I've had loads of happy moments since the divorce. I was in a really good relationship for a couple of years after the divorce. And that, that was just so lovely to connect with someone. And we did loads of cool stuff. And because I would share, the children would go to my exes sometimes, I got to be not a mum for a while. So after being, you know, nine years of constantly just being a mum in a relationship, then suddenly going off and doing something, just the two of us, it was just lovely. And yeah, just really lovely, fun moments with the kids. I think it's made me into a much better mother because I'm happier. So, you know, I'll just do fun stuff with the kids and, and yeah, I don't know. Lots of, it's, it's not like some big moments, all the little tiny moments that make me laugh and the spontaneous ones. Like we did a game of Squidge the other day, which is a made-up game where me and my son would lie on my daughter. It probably sounds like some terrible child abuse, but we would lie on my daughter and she would have to escape by just wriggling. And so, and then I would be on the bottom and I'd, it was just so funny. <laughs> sounds fun. <laughs> and yeah, that. Well, nice. Well, thank you so much. This has been so good and useful I think um, for me and um, anyone else who's been through it or is thinking of going through it can you let us know where people can find out more about you online yes of course um, I've got um, well I'm on Twitter at the Susan L um, I've got a website not that I update it very much but that's uh, <laughs> susanl.co.uk um, but yeah Twitter is usually the best place to, to find me and I'm still doing comedy about, uh, I try to, I like to talk about relationships and, and uh, it's great. There's more and more people coming up as divorced in the crowds now. So that's a good thing. Brilliant. Well, Susan, thank you. Thank you, Sam. It's been such a pleasure. Congratulations on your divorce. You too. Yay, <laughs> divorce club. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Oh, hi. Thank you for listening to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines. Please leave us a review.
please, please. Um, it would be super nice. They're lovely to read. They keep me cheery and happy and keep me going. Uh, but also it affects our listing in the podcast charts, uh, which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast. And I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times. And they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts. So if you'd like to leave a review, I'd love you forever. You can leave them on iTunes is the big one, or most podcast platforms do them as well. I'll take all the reviews you've got to give. You can also uh, get in contact on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com, and we have a Patreon account, which means that you can support the podcast for as little as £2 a month. And it helps me with all the admin costs. It also means you have access to our 90 style divorce and heartbreak chat room. And there's lots of exclusives on there, little bits of audio that you don't get in the main podcast and some giveaways as well. So I'd love to see you over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines. And please leave a review. Did I say that already? Please leave a review. Love you forever.